Luke 14, verses 25 and 26 read, Now great crowds accompanied him, Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church and I'm one of the elders or pastors here, Bryce Beal. Today I have with me Andrew Walden. Andrew, thanks for being with us again. It is wonderful to be back. We are this quarter focusing on discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I've chosen a provocative title for this podcast, which is Hating Your Family. But I think I'm justified in choosing a provocative title because the verse I just read from Luke 14, Jesus says something incredibly provocative. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That is Jesus stating it in such a way that it sounds like to be his follower, we need to hate our family. So... The ever-theologically astute Andrew Walden, we have brought you in to help us with Bible interpretation here because reading that verse at first is shocking, but of course we want to obey Jesus, whatever he means by that, we will do it, but it's shocking because, well, I thought based on Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3 and many other teachings in the Bible that I was supposed to love my family, including my wife as a husband, as you're leading men's ministry. That's something we're passionate about at Faith Bible Church. So what does Jesus mean here when he's telling us that we can't even be his disciple unless we hate our own family? So I would actually continue on with that text to really get a good definition of it. So if you continue on in verses 27 through 30, it says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So what Christ is saying here is not necessarily how we would view hating our family. Like we think of hating our family, we think of more of like war terms. Like we're going to go to war with another country because we disagree with them or we hate these people, that type of a thing. That's not what Christ is saying here. What Christ is saying here is that the level of love that you have for Christ as a follower of Christ makes all your other loves pale in comparison. So you have Christ up on the the highest pedestal you can possibly get, and your family, though you love them, and we do truly love them, though you love them, it pales in comparison to your love for Christ. And the great thing about that is if you have a, a right view of your love for Christ, the outflow of love for everything else falls into place. So if you have the right view of your love for Christ, that it is the paramount that we talked about three weeks ago, we're we're called to ultimately die for for Christ if if it's required of us because we have this love for Christ. So if we have that, we have that amount of love for Christ, it's going to bleed down to how do we live with our wives? Do we live with our wives in an understanding manner as we're called to do? If we have that right love and view of Christ, it's going to bleed into that. Are we not provoking our children to wrath, as we're called not to, well, if we have a right view of Christ, it bleeds down to that. So it's not necessarily we're truly hating our families. What we're doing is loving Christ so much that the love that we have for our families just looks lacking, even though it's not. 
It's like the verse we were talking about just before we started recording in Matthew 10. So the passage I read at the beginning is Luke 14. He says you have to hate your family. In Matthew 10, it's a cross-reference referring to a similar teaching of Jesus, but the way he puts it in Matthew 10 verse 37 is, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that helps us, again, scripture helps us interpret scripture. So that passage is saying exactly what you just said. It's not that we need to now teach husbands to hate their wives. <laughs> we do that naturally. You know, Our whole job is to teach us not to do that and to love other people and love our wives. But on the other hand, Christ wants us to understand that our relationship with him comes first. So it is relative more than... It's a little bit like how we think of money. A lot of people who don't know the rest of the Bible will say, money's the root of all evil. And scripture does say... The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And Jesus says in Luke 16, no one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. He doesn't say you can't have money or even seek money, but you can't serve God and money because the two will be in competition. It's relative. Which one is primary in your life and similar with your family, just like you said, uh, you need to love your wife, but your love for Christ needs to be so much greater that in contrast, it may even look like hate. And that is the other point here is, while what we just said, you and me, Andrew, is true, that is the way we're to understand the meaning. Don't go home and hate your family. On the other hand, you do have to step back and realize Jesus decided to say it this way. That always shocks me. He could have just said it the way that was easier to understand, but he didn't. He wanted you to hear his words in Luke as, hate your family, and if you don't, you can't be my disciple. And I do think there's a good challenge there, because while on the one hand we may be tempted not to love our family enough and we need to grow in that, on the other, there are many times when our devotion to our family can challenge our devotion to Christ. The example that's been on my mind has been the one given by Amy Carmichael's experience in India. She was a missionary in the earlier 1900s in India. I just finished working through Elizabeth Elliot's biography of her, which is excellent. It's called A Chance to Die. I could not recommend it more. It's a little long, but it's very, very good. But Amy Carmichael, when she went to India, she was controversial at first because there was not a lot of fruit. And she would not write the typical missionary updates of her day, which were always very beautiful, positive, shining updates focused only on the one piece of fruit, you know, ignoring all the hardships. And she just said, I'm just going to present it as it is. And she would write home and express, we're not seeing much fruit here. And part of the reason that they weren't seeing much fruit was the tight caste system in India. So if someone were to come to Christ when Carmichael was sharing the gospel with them, say a young person comes to Christ, it was not at all uncommon for her family to kill her. Um, because you could become a Christian privately in your own heart, but you couldn't outwardly because it would disrupt the caste system, especially if you start associating with believers in different castes. That was forbidden. And so what would happen is someone would profess faith in Christ, but then they would retract it or they would not be public about it because of family. And there was such a draw of fam families would come begging their children, don't do this to us, you're, you're ruining your whole family. 
It's kind of like Bonhoeffer we spoke of not that long ago. Um, the Nazi regime had threatened his family, his fiance. If if he continues opposing Nazis, then he's going to hurt your fiance, hurt your family. He had to make the decision. Likewise, is he going to value family over Christ or not? And that was happening with Carmichael. And some families in that day would even poison their own children. Or sometimes there were drugs they could use that would basically just wipe their brain. It would just ruin their intellect. And this would happen among families. So just that immense pressure of you have to, in those cases, choose either Christ or your family. To them, Jesus says, you're going to have to act in a way that seems hateful to your family to follow me. Now, Andrew, you and I are not in India in the early 1900s, and we're not there today. We're in America. We have a lot of freedoms, which we're really grateful for. For most of us, because of our history of religious toleration, you can become a Christian, and your family's not going to try to kill you. But there are still these pressures where we still have to make choices between devotion to Christ and devotion to family. Andrew, what are some examples that maybe come into your mind of how we encounter Luke 14, hating our family in a practical way in our lives? So just immediately comes to mind of uh, how are we tempted to love our families over Christ is our culture kind of calls for us to do that. Like, if you look at the way that our culture is set up and the way that our culture is designed, us as fathers, we're often tempted to make our children first. Like we're often tempted to make sure that they're taken care of in ways that we don't necessarily see be, us being called to do. And so examples that I'm thinking of are like sports. Like are we making sure that our children are taken care of enough and putting Christ first enough that we are here every Sunday morning? that they're in Sunday school, that they're learning about Christ, that outside of the, the home, that they're also learning about Christ in our home. You trying or, to step on toes, Andrew? What I are you doing? always trying to step on toes. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> but, are, or are we putting sports ahead of that? Are we, are we okay with skipping a Sunday morning to take our children to go to, I'll just use ours, for example, gymnastics. Like Reagan's in gymnastics. She loves gymnastics. We love that she loves gymnastics, but eventually we're probably going to come up against the wall of, are we going to choose to allow her to go to competitions on Sundays, or are we going to be in the church on Sundays? And for us, there isn't really a decision there because we're going to be on church on Sundays because it is more important for us to make sure that our daughter's soul is provided for over her desire for gymnastics. But we also see uh, our love for family taking over even in like how we view our parents. So I, I... just met with somebody not too long ago that said that, you know, their, their uh, parent was not excited about them being a Christian, not excited about them being a believer to the point of being completely confused by it. So there's a, a genuine draw there to draw back away from Christ to try to please a parent. Whereas we see, as we talked about, that we're, we're called to hate our family in the point of Christ is so superior in our view and in our thoughts and in our love that it makes it look like hate. So those are a couple of ways that I immediately thought of, like, hey, this is how we try to push Christ off his pedestal to put our family on it. Someone listening may be in that exact situation. It may be a spouse or parents, children, grandparent, where a love that has become an inordinate, a too great love and commitment to those persons, surprising to say, to those persons is causing them to compromise or to waver in their commitment to Jesus Christ and what he's calling them to do. That may be what you thought in the past, but may God help us all now to think this way. 